the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I think somehow, some way, some shape and form, I'm going to have to talk about Apple. What a quarter, right? Was it that good of a quarter? It's a good question. Stocks at an all time high playing with trillion dollar market cap. And you're like, what? Did I hear that right? Um, yeah, yeah. So how do I want to play this? It's a good question. Apple reported strong earnings. They beat expectations for both revenue and earnings per share. The beat was partially powered by Apple's services business. Let's go back in time a little bit. The Mac, the iPod, the iPhone, the AirPods. You could start like MacBook Pro. You could kind of start seeing that the product that they make is generally perceived as high quality or something along those lines. Again, I want to be kind of careful because I know some people are going to lash out at me and say, that's not true. It's not high quality. It's, it's, it's made for the masses. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Is, <laughs> um, so the history of Apple is one of Steve Jobs and Microsoft and how they competed with each other and how they were so competitive. Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak created Apple Computer, which they later is going to change the name to just Apple. And they incorporated the company back in 1977. So 30-plus years, right? When you take a look at them, they're a big multinational company. So anytime a president talks trade tariffs, anytime you talk about countries like China hosting the Olympics, India, the next frontier for selling phones, the multinational has a play here. So consumer electronics, one of the, the, the parts of that history of consumer electronics is smaller, cheaper, faster. Personal computers, smaller, cheaper, faster. Server, smaller, cheaper, faster. Software, 1.0, 1.1, version 1.2. Always make it better. So Apple's core product lines right now, probably the iPhone. Uh, it's funny you use the word smartphone because that's starting to feel dated, right? The iPad. A lot of people, I'm not going to say, eh, maybe the iPad could have been bigger as far as uh, everyone walking around and having them, you know, in their briefcase, pull it out. It's, it doesn't feel it, right? So some of the, the hits are bigger than others. Like when you're at the gym, you see those AirPods everywhere. When you're at the gym, you see the iPhone everywhere. And to me, it's become kind of a luxury Louis Vuitton, Moe, Hennessy kind of thing. Early on, I wasn't impressed with the Apple II, the Apple IIc, the Apple IIe. The, I wasn't impressed with the Macintosh. 
you know, it wasn't my thing. The Super Bowl commercial comes along where they, I'm not going to say do a parody of an Orwellian society and one person breaking through, breaking through the light and that person being Apple. Think different. It's funny. Um, iPod, they ate that product. They cannibalized their own product, right? <coughs> if, excuse me, if Apple didn't come out with a smartphone that was kind of kick butt, the iPod may still be a top seller. They dropped the name computer from the company back in 2007 because they started seeing, wow, this is getting a little out of hand. Um, the Apple logo, according to popular urban legend, it resembles the Apple Alan Turing ate before his death. Other people say, we're unaware of that. You know, Jobs and Wozniak had a big run uh, with Apple One, Apple Two, the Apple IPO, uh, basically doing work with IBM, Xerox Park, so the Palo Alto Research Center basically did a pretty good job of messing up something amazing as far as opportunities go and handing it right over to Apple. IBM could have owned the world, and they gave it away essentially to Microsoft and Apple to, let's call it $1.8 trillion of business. Yeah, the CEO, Scully. Scully, not the pilot. Um, maybe he's a pilot, I don't know. But John Scully uh, started issuing like stock dividends. And people were like, freaking out. Uh, between 1988 and 1989, Apple started doing some big acquisitions. And you don't hear about big acquisitions right now. But yet, they could have done one five, ten years ago and picked up Netflix Maybe they maybe you could count that as a strike because people watch videos. People watch videos on their phone, and you could probably go back six, seven, eight, nine years. People are like, I'm not gonna watch a video on my phone, it's too small. I want a 60 inch TV. We climbed from a society of like 18 inch black and white to 20 inch color, 25 to 25 inch with a remote control to 60 inch to 100 inch. I, I don't even know the biggest TV that a friend of mine owns because we don't care anymore. Five, ten years ago, it was kind of a status symbol. How big is your TV? <laughs> right? So, Scully eventually gets taken down as CEO of the company after some acquisitions like Styleware, Corral Software, Orion Networks. It was okay. It was okay, right? But the Mac family started to become kind of, kind of popular, kind of cult-like. Uh, people that used Macs loved Macs. There's, you know, a lot of Mac addict magazines. And back in about 1990, 1991, somewhere in that time, it started to become the golden age of Macintosh. And now you don't even talk about Macintosh computers, right? Apple's fiercest competitors early on was Amiga and the Atari ST platforms. The IBM PC, a lot more popular than Atari, Amiga, and um, Apple. I remember I had a... I didn't have. My father had an 8086 um, IBM computer. And then things kind of really started getting kind of a little wonky in the mid-90s as the vision wasn't there. So Gil Emilio was ousted as CEO. He had taken over for Scully. <coughs> Excuse me. 
got a little bit of a dry cough. I hope it's not. I hope it's not the black lung. Gil Emilio comes in the mid nineties, ninety six, and Jobs steps in as CEO. Um, he takes over from Gil Emilio back in the late nineties, and uh, he kind of brought his own company. He brought Next Software. So he left Apple, starts a software company, comes back. He, and while he was gone from Apple, he started a little company called Pixar, co-started it. Anyhow, and anyway, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Apple's quarter. But I kind of wanted to go back into Wayback Land and think about it for just a minute and uh, start you know, appreciating what a trillion-dollar company is and how they resurged and how they evolved and how they, they transitioned. The Apple Watch... I thought it was, the first one was clunky. I got a third version or a fourth version. You know, people have them now, right? I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So one of the things that I've done really well is I've... Tr- I've tried to treat you with respect as a listener, and I've tried to keep you involved in the stock market. And when it's down, you're going to feel like, why is that jerk Rob not telling me to sell exactly at the top? Because I don't do that. It's worthy of note. I practice what I preach. I bought Microsoft in the mid-90s, and I held it. And it was a disaster for a while. I bought Apple, and I've held it. Buy great companies. Don't worry about prices. I'd rather own a great company than a stock that's at $2. But Rob, a stock at $2 can go to $4. A lot easier than a stock at $200 can go to $400. No, that's not true. It depends on how many shares are out there, and it depends on how many what the supply and demand is. So Apple is now flirting with a $1 trillion market cap. In their conference call yesterday, well, let's start with their, their quarter. They beat, they beat earnings by 16 cents a share. That's impressive. It's not crazy, but revenues rose 17% year over year. That's not bad. If you come home tonight and you kiss your sugar booger and you go, I got a 17% increase in salary this year, you'd be like, woo. Now don't go blowing it. You still got to, you know, boil it down to how much do you earn, to how much do you keep. Their gross margins were 38.3%. Exactly in line with expectations. It's down slightly from last year's 38.5%. iPhone shipment. So by selling the $1,000 iPhone, you don't have to sell a lot of them to have good margins. And expect more $1,000 phones in the future. That's going to be out there. They issued some upside guidance. So not only did they beat this quarter, but they said next quarter looks pretty good too. Now, the current quarter that we're in, I'm just going to call it the summer quarter. We're waiting to see what the new phones are going to look like in the fall. And, you know, they probably need to slow down and don't show us a new phone every fall because, well, maybe that's just the way they're putting their 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 boot on the competition's throat. Revenues grew 20% in the Americas, 14% in Europe, 19% in China, up 7% in Japan. Now, in China, it was only $9.55 billion. That's not much. Service revenue, though, was up 31% overall, pulling in $9.55 billion. That services, cloud services, money that they get from the App Store, money that they get from the music, Apple Music, you could see that it was a pretty good quarter. 
workforce services up 31%. If they were just to break off the services part of their business, it would be a top company in the world. Fortune 500 type class. And that's something that we never thought of without, we're talking Apple computer, right? It's their best June quarter ever, fourth consecutive quarter of double digit revenue growth. It's a product cycle issue there. Operating cash flow of $14.5 billion. They returned $25 billion to investors. $20 billion in share repurchase. That was included in that. They see strong double-digit growth in the emerging markets. They look to expand business. They reduce the iPhone channel inventory. So there's not a lot of inventory out there, or there's less. And again, when they come out with a new phone, people are going to go, I'm not going to buy that iPhone 7 or 8. I want the 9. People will wait. That's the idea of cutting the inventory. Or maybe you have to slash the price if it's sitting on the shelf too long in technology. Services revenue hit that new record despite a one-time items being various lawsuits. Generated double-digit services growth in all geographic segments. Mac, sh- Mac shipments were negatively impacted by timing of MacBook Pro launches. Uh, company does not expect favorable currency impacts to repeat in the fourth quarter due to the strong rise of the dollar recently. Uh, memory prices have been a negative recently, but they're starting to slack off their that component cost. So it's a pretty good quarter. Apple's now flirting with a $1 trillion valuation. It's at all-time highs. It's remarkable. The company was able to grow iPhone revenue 20%. Shipments grew just 1%. What? It's pretty well known that there isn't much growth in the smartphone market these days, and Tim Cook was asked that, and he's not bothered by it, he says. Now, again, I got the AirPods. I'll probably stick with them for the next 10, 15, 20 years. I don't know, maybe five, maybe one. Who knows? What will the next version do? Will it monitor my heart as I'm pushing, you know, not my golden years? As I'm getting older, I'm a little less enamored with tech. But with that being said, if they get AirPods that I can put in my ears and listen to music or listen to, you know, like a Howard Stern show or something like that, as that happens, if they, if they come out with something, maybe it, it does my heartbeat. Like, I'm getting older. I don't need the rock and roll music. I don't need – but if it can monitor my heartbeat and tell me, like, hey, you're having a, a, a stressful day. You may want to go see a doctor. They're going to build that into the AirPods. They're going to build that into the watch. Again, I don't know. But that's a lot of speculation, and they've been pretty good about it. So they're going to double their service revenues by 2020. $50 billion is expected. Go write that number down. It's crazy. iPhone is clearly Apple's bread and butter, though. And who doesn't like bread and butter, even though it's probably one of the worst one-two combinations for you in the planet, right? Sweet. So as we have rolled into the month of August, we now start to think September, back to school. What's little Johnny going to want to impress all the kids at school? Wrangler jeans? Little Jeanette may want, like, Capri pants? No, they want Apple phones. They want the new one. It's crazy. So look for three new iPhone models in September when it's back to school time. All of them will have Face ID, the 3D sensing technology, which, for the record, is pretty annoying, all things considered. I've had to punch in my six-digit passcode, more, uh, I'm not going to say more, way more than I thought I would have. It works, the facial recognition, but maybe I'm just ugly. Maybe my face is busted and the iPhone says, no. But we're going to get an updated iPhone X. We're going to get a larger iPhone X in September. 
And we'll probably get some new lower end phones that are going to you know stick with LCD screens instead of going with the flagship OLED technology. So again, they're saying, hey, if you want a Porsche, you're paying for a Porsche. It's nice eye candy. If you want a Bugatti, you pay for a Bugatti. This is not a Chevette. So the race to one trillion. Apple stock, would I buy it today? It's trading at 15 time estimates for next year. That's not crazy. They've got a lot of cash and they're buying back shares. They're paying out dividends. Do I expect it to go to two trillion? Do I expect it to double in the next five years? I don't know. I can tell you, I don't think it's going to quadruple unless they come out with something that cures hemorrhoids or something radically different. It's a good company. It's a value tech company. It's most exciting days because of its valuation probably are behind it, but I do own it. And I will tell you when I let it go, it's holding up quite nicely. I'm Rob Black. You're talking all things financial with me. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Talk a little bit about second homes with Tony Mendez. Um... You know, the history of where we live, growing up, getting that college apartment, the college dorm, (laughs) then the college apartment, then the apartment where girlfriend moves in or you move in with her, and the quality tends to get better through the years or or dips during the college years, but we we move on. Um, It is a process, though, to buy, at this point in my life, I'm thinking second home, retirement home. I'm starting to think retirement, and I think a lot of things in my life are coming together, like I'm not going to work forever. I don't want to work forever. My dad did. I didn't want to do that. Bit of a problem for me. Um, so I started shopping, and I looked in Southern California. I looked at Northern California, and then I kind of decided, like, this area. I'm more of a mountain guy than I am a beach guy. So um, I did a lot of real estate homework, and I think that's super important to do. Get to know people that are good at what they do. And back to Wade real quick, the real estate agent that I worked with. That if anyone wants his number, contact me, Rob at RobBlackShow.com. It's Rob at RobBlackShow.com. What was really interesting about him was he goes, he wants to represent people from the Bay Area who want that second home because he also knows that in five to seven years, they're going to be selling that home. So mm-hmm. he's going to get double commissions coming in mm-hmm. and going out. And I, I, found, I found that to be refreshingly honest. Instead of saying real estate always goes up, he's like, I'm going to see you again in five to seven years. <laughs> And uh, very helpful to get that out there. Yeah, and he, and it's not just that he grasps that side of the business. He he actually lives the lifestyle. Yeah. And, and I think that's something, a quality that you'd want out of a realtor. Um, and you did your homework on realtors. I, I know you interviewed at least two that's, other realtors. Yeah, yeah. And you, know, you got some service. And you, you, I mean, you end up getting a bed from him. You know, like, I think he dumped it on you, but that's okay. Um, that was the other part is furnishing the property. That. Oh, that's a problem. You looked at some properties that were actually furnished. You could have bought. They were a little bit more expensive. Then you looked at a house that was less expensive, but it had no furniture. And you had to negotiate. I, I want to come up here and start working in the house. Can I keep that bed or two? So, and you got that. So there's, and that was, you know, Wade helped. And, and you know, the seller was a great person. I mean, he was local to the Bay Area, but ended up in Tahoe. And then he ended up retiring there. And, um, 
but there is a rotation that that you kind of have to expect. It's that timeline that you talk about, Rob. It's also kind of interesting, the amount of stuff you learn from going through the process. Mm -hmm. I know some people who on their weekends, they want to go to open houses because they kind of want to see how their neighbors live. And they also kind of want to learn, like, what is hot right now and what is good fashion and decoration and staging, uh, just in case they need to do that themselves. But another thing I learned about the whole Truckee, Tahoe area was that you get to the point, like the guy I bought the house from, you get to the point where he doesn't want to deal with snow. So he goes mile an hour down the road to Arnold. Auburn. Auburn. Thank you. I always get that confused. Auburn and Arnold. So he goes to Auburn. And that's a hot community right now because two things. You get the retirees from the Truckee Tahoe coming down elevation so there's not as much snow. But then you get the Sacramento mm-hmm. people who are like, someone in Barry wants to give me $400,000 for my home? Sure. I bought it for $20. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, I'll move to Auburn. And so they're moving upwards and into the quote unquote country or the woods, so to speak. So you talk to almost any realtor that's up in in Tahoe or in, in starting places like Auburn and and other little cities like that. The majority of their clients are coming from the Bay Area. I mean, I think Wade said something like ninety percent, ninety percent plus were people from the Bay Area buying second homes. And and what was the other thing is, is they're paying for our roads and they, even though they don't live here, but they pay for all of our roads and schools and everything. The property like, taxes in a second home community like Truckee or Tahoe, it's awesome because you still pay the property taxes and you just don't, you're never there. Yeah. You don't get the wear and tear. Exactly. So anyway, um, you want to run the numbers. That's super important. That's one of the things Tony Mendez can do for you is run the numbers. Does it make sense to move to Santa Barbara where you're going to get... $1.8 million for the same thing you can get for a million dollars or the same you can get, you know, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less in some communities. Uh, what do you want is kind of important in lifestyle and uh, you got to run the numbers. So mortgage rates are still pretty low historically. Well, My dad would have been happy if he was suddenly reanimated as a zombie dad corpse and uh, he wanted to buy a house. Now he'd be like, oh, late rates are low. And the nice thing about second homes is you do get the same rates you do as a primary. You know, you're constrained to down payment and credit score and things like that, but the rates are still there. Um, and if you have to, you can buy it as a rental property and use future rents to offset the debt so you can help qualify and then start running the numbers as, you know, some, as a part-time vacation home or a full-time vacation home for where you're receiving income. Um, and those are the kind of numbers that we run all the time. So just also know, like anytime you buy a second home, that there's going to be some added costs because you're not there to maintain things. And, you know, squirrel gets into the garage and squirrel's going to dominate the garage by the time you figure out there's a squirrel in said garage. I love seeing your face when, when the seller goes, oh, we were walking around the house and he goes, well, you got to winterize the house and then you got to kind of summarize the house. You know, oh, yeah. take it out, and you're like, um, and you're you have to write all this stuff down, and then you kind of forget, like, what was this switch for? What was? Why is there some sort of a thermal strip on my roof? Yeah. When do I turn that thing off? Is it on all the time? Where's the water shut off? And where's the sprinkler shut? Hey, yeah, you go through all of those things, and um, and then when you're not there, then all of a sudden you got okay, I got to pay somebody to do the hot tub, I got to pay somebody to, to come and um, you know turn it on and off the water, Pass and control. I mean. Yeah. yeah, you got to do all of this stuff. So there, there are some expenses, and you, you need to do that homework. Definitely. Oh, yeah. So, and you know, every area is going to be slightly different, and uh, you can count on that for sure. 
So don't forget, uh, you really want to do homework before you buy a second home. Buying a first home is easy, right? The primary residence, I want to be close to work. I want to be close to my friends. I want a good school system. But a second home, it's a little bit different. And uh, for instance, I've never winterized a home. I haven't had to. As long as I've been owning homes, it's it, it was all t- kind of turnkey for me. But in a, a cabin, you have to uh, you know open the vents and stuff like that. Otherwise, it gets too cold, too wet, too damp, flooding, snow, the snow apocalypse. Um, so start with how much is this going to cost and make sure you can afford it. And then make sure you can really, truly afford it. Because you don't want to be in a situation where you bought high and then you have to sell low. Because that's one of those ouch things. Your debt-to-income ratio. Is that something you still look at, Tony? Absolutely. When does Dodd, start- Dodd-Frank kind of threw in you know, a bunch of numbers and decreased what Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, could um, you could loan or borrow on. And, um, yeah, so it's very important. Although there are products. The farther you get away from those Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac standard debt-to-income ratios, you are going to pay higher rates. So they, they can go higher, but uh, you still want to try to get those best rates. On average, people who are actively renting are doing so about 15 weeks out of the year. And on average, they pull in about $26,000 a year doing it. Um, now, obviously, that's a wide number um, because Tahoe is going to be different than Hawaii. Um, I would imagine Hawaii is just as slow as Tahoe um, during the off seasons, i.e. when schools end. Um, best time to go to Disney is when school's end. <laughs> you know, yeah. The worst time to go to Disney is the summer. Well, you, you almost can't say that, though, with a second home because you almost want to be there when everybody else is. And you're not going there for everybody else. You're just going there because that's you know Thanksgiving or, or some yeah. other holiday. So when you, when you do figure like out those... I you say holiday. Holiday. I, I kind of holiday. Holiday. By the way, that's, that's Wade's name, Wade Holiday. Yeah, don't, don't give out his name. Oh. Because then they don't contact you. Oh, well, in that case. Marketing 101. <laughs> um, yeah, you got to figure out what, what, what the times you're going to go. And what, are do you need those peak? Do you need to rent that property or vacate that property during those peak times just to afford it? And then you're like, why did we pay this vacation home? Because we can't go the times that we want to go. So you, that's something that we run across and kind of walk people through. And if you are going to turn it into rental... Talk to a couple rental groups. I think that's an easy thing to do. Um, compare them, shop them. Uh, there's one now called Vacasa, V-A-C-A-S-A, and they're trying to be the anti-luxury um, property rental place, um, trying to be more fair, trying to be more algorithmic. Uh, you don't have to give them, like if you go to a, a property management, they, they may go, if you don't give me Christmas, then I need Thanksgiving. If you don't give me Christmas and Thanksgiving, then I need the summer month, August. If you don't give me that, then we're not going to work with you. And you're like, those are all the good times. You just took them all away from me. And Vicasa doesn't do that. It lets you choose what you want to choose. Um, but to also hire a property manager. You know, I interviewed a woman um, who's like the regional manager of Vicasa. And she had a lot of right things to say. So as far as setting up the house, they also have a, we, we'll send you an interior designer. Yeah. We'll do the markup. We'll like, no, thank you. So that's yeah, when you have to furnish a whole nother house. Yeah. And yeah. if you, you're going to pay an arm and a leg to have somebody else do it. Pretty much so. But, you know, that could be part of the adventure of buying a second home is you, you, you especially up in the mountains, you can turn, you know, get your Western style and go down to Reno, go to some shops and pull up, you know, the mountain, a couple chairs and do that every trip. You know. Contact me at Roblackshow.com. It's Roblackshow.com. 
You can send an email to rob at robloxshow.com, or you can contact Tony Mendez at bayarealonesource.com. That's bayarealonesource.com. If you want to talk to a realtor up in the mountains who does a great job, Tony's got a guy for you. Um, you can also contact me, but Tony's easier at bayarealonesource.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm talking a little technology, and I, I do this on occasion where I kind of push aside the daily headlines, and I talk about what's happening this year as a trend goes. Um, personal plus collective data. I'm trying to personalize things for you. And when you see the what Snap and what Uber and what Nextdoor and what companies like Apple and uh, Google recommend, you know, real-time navigation with Waze now has become a lot more commercialized. Initially, when you used Waze on your phone, you're like, wow, this is a great little service. It shows you, like... It tells you if there's a car accident ahead and, you know, routes to go around it. But now you're seeing, like, ads for Taco Bell and McDonald's, and you're inside your way, and you're like, are you watching me eat lunch? Yes, it is watching you eat lunch. If you park your car at a Taco Bell, you're going to start seeing ads for Taco Bell. Um, Or a Taco Bell competitor is the idea. I'm loving it. In the last couple years, you probably did your first... uh, um, shared ride on Lyft or Uber and you thought about it and you don't know if you like it or you don't know if you do, but it's kind of a roll of the dice. You got to go take your car and you get fixed at the shop and you're like, okay, I'm going to use this Lyft line. It's half the price of a Lyft. Not bad. And, and sometimes you get in and no one else gets in and it's like golden for you. It's like a golden home run. Woo-hoo! I know you're saying, woo. So, internet companies, internet users, and regulators are all kind of in this privacy playground right now. And internet companies are trying to make low-priced services better from your data. So they say, internet users are increasing time on internet services based on perceived value. And then you get the regulators who, I think it's always fair to say that they don't know what's going on. Facebook's annualized revenue per daily user continues to improve. And you've seen Facebook come out and say, you know, yeah, we're guilty of some privacy issues. And yeah, we're going to do the best we can in the future. But know that they're also trying to drive revenue per daily user as part of a metric. Back in 2015, you would get online and you would take a look at a couple of your photos. You would take a look at a couple of funny videos, dog sneaking up on cat Cat jumps high in the air and scratches dog's ears or something. Ah, it's so funny. So in 2015, we were spending about 16 bucks annualized. So that's about a dollar a month, right? That's what you, you created value for Facebook. Your eyes were there for enough hours with enough advertisers. It was about $16 a year. Now that free service that you log on to is generating about $34 a year. So just about $3 a month. Now, again, you start looking at like situations like Facebook, and you compare them to Netflix, and Netflix charges you $10. So it goes from your account to their account per month, right? $120 a year. Just say roughly. Work with me. 
Now, Facebook is only getting $34, but they're also not spending billions of dollars creating new content. Oh, boy. Do you remember the good old days when the Internet had issues like you didn't have to pay state taxes or local taxes? And like you would say, wow, it's 10 percent cheaper at Amazon because I'm not paying for sales tax because we didn't know how to do that. And then our regulators got involved and they're like, oh, we know how to do that. Competition still very important to be wary of. Fines at Google for the European Union are over $2.4 billion for abusing dominance as a search engine. Data privacy, big issue. And you're going to see, you know, what, how much you're going to hear more stories about third-party abuses. The German Network Enforcement Act is going to require for-profit social networks with over 2 million registered users in Germany to remove unlawful content within 24 hours of receiving a complaint. That's all very funny because, like... Let's just say, like, I don't know. You get into one of those legal situations where you and your ex-wife are fighting over, uh, I don't know. Okay, she um, she plagiarized, your ex-wife plagiarized her thesis paper. And you write a blog about, you know, people shouldn't uh, plagiarize. And because she's got your last name and you got her last name, and then suddenly there's something in the the archives that she plagiarized and suddenly like she wants your article removed because it's moving her higher up on the rank. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of dicey, right? It's crucial to manage for unintended consequences in investing. And it's crucial to manage for unintended consequences when you could become irresponsible. And the United States, I think we are forward thinking and aggressive with being internet leaders. And sometimes the European Union's like, they don't like that. Like, I, I saw an interview with one of Microsoft's attorneys from the 1990s, and it talked about how if they can go back and, and redo things with the European Union, they would. Because the attorney was saying, you know, Microsoft got brought up on Internet charges of basically building Internet Explorer into their operating system. And companies like Netscape said that's illegal. And the European Union's like, we'll take a look. Maybe it is. Because there was other browsers out there that, you know, could have caught on. But long story short, the attorney goes, if I can go back in time, we would have settled everything immediately. We would have made nicer because for years and years and years, we had to have top software engineers, people like Bill Gates, you know, prepping for how to answer legal questions. Okay. So Google's in some some problems right now. And Facebook, you don't want to see Mark Zuckerberg on Capitol Hill. You want to see him building better products in theory. I'm Rob Black talking the internet, talking the story of it, the growth of it, where we are, where we're going. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.